Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of, well, actually, what podcast is this? This is two podcasts uh, in a very special first time ever crossover event. Uh, we are bringing you a dual uh, podcast episode for the ShuttlePod and all access Star Trek podcasts. So I am your host, Kayla Yacovino, and I am joined today by a whole host of hosts, starting with Anthony Pascal. Hello. Lori Elster. Hello. Matt Wright. Hey, guys. And Jared Whitley. Hey, everybody. So we are all gathered together today uh, because all of us took part in the first contact day event that was put on by CBS. Um, we all took in that information and we all have a ton to say about the event itself and all of the different announcements that came out of it. So we thought we should all get together and do a, a podcast um, as one since we're all going to be talking about this. Um, and it's a, a fun opportunity for us to merge our, our podcast for the first time. Well, you know, it's like two tastes that are great together, like peanut butter and your chocolate, <laughs> chocolate and your peanut butter, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Getting a little bit of shuttle pot in my all-access Star Trek. Exactly. <laughs> we should do a musical crossover next. Oh, yeah. please still my heart. <laughs> Lori and I are going to be doing a very romantic duet. Aww. <laughs> all right. So, guys, first contact day, um, the virtual event. I have to say this was, you know, w one of... A virtual, a virtual event in a sea of virtual events, and um, I have to admit I wasn't particularly looking forward to yet another you know, Zoom convention. But I have to say that I was pleasantly surprised at this event, especially given my disappointment with um, other events that we've had in the past that have been all virtual. But yeah. it seems like you know they've had a year now to sort of watch and learn. Uh, how to put on one of these events. And I felt like, you know, it's, I'm not going to say this is ever going to be a replacement for an in-person convention, but I thought that we got a lot of really insightful information. It was well-produced. It felt like it had good flow. Like, I actually enjoyed the day. I, I thought it was great. I think they certainly the first time they did one of these, I guess, was the Comic-Con 2020. But Star Trek Day was definitely better last September. So they're just getting better at it. I also think it's smart to just, you know, especially as people sort of do their own branded days, like Disney has their own, you know, what is it? Uh, D23. Thank you. Yes. D23 and stuff like that. I think it's starting to make more sense. Like, look, if that's the way everything is going, they might as well make first contact day a thing instead of waiting for Comic-Con or this or that, you know, they might as well just do it. I mean, mm -hmm. that was smart. I just like their choice of hosts because I think you have Will Wheaton and Mika Burton who are both comfortable with all the guests. Yeah. So the mm, conversations are smart. much, there's, they're, they're much more natural. There's none of that weird, like I've never met you before and now I'm interviewing you vibe. Mm. Yes. Yes. See, and we're going to pretend that. we've been buddies all our lives and it's kind of yeah. awkward right. and insincere. And the, there was a great collection of panelists, both behind the scenes and celebrities. It was a mix of newsy kind of panels and then really, you know, cool stuff looking at past Star Trek and, you know, the, the, the 25th anniversary panel I thought was pretty cool. 
for Star Trek First Contact and the Women in Motion panel kind of, Mm -hmm. which kind of turned into just this love fest for Nichelle Nichols, as it should. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's nice. But everyone on that panel had something interesting to say, and they were all really passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, Tony, about the mix. Often these events, in person or not, are feel, especially if they have something to announce, um, feel like, okay, there's bits of news punctuating a sea of just fluff where they're just like, oh, throw those people on the stage and have them talk about whatever for an hour. And, you know, I mean, not to sound too cynical, I love going to conventions and I love hearing from actors and showrunners and things like that. But after, you know, it's been 25 years since First Contact came out, it's hard to find new things to talk about. These are people who have been interviewed countless times since that that movie has come out and they've talked about it at length. And this was one of the first convention or events in ages where I've heard stories that I had never heard before. And I think a, a lot of the stories actually, or at least a handful of them, were new to a lot of listeners. They were to me. There was a lot of new stuff in there. And it was also um, a good choice of get like having Alice Cregan was a nice touch. I That's thought. good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they got her. Um, Kayla, what was your favorite fact that you learned from that panel? Um, there was a handful of facts about. So this was the um, the first contact panel. Looking back, twenty five years after first contact, and there were a number of things. I think the most amusing anecdote was um, Brent Spiner talking about how he has a fear of heights, which I didn't know. And when they were filming the scene, they were fil- shooting in a, an old missile silo in in Arizona for the scene where they're. Picard and Data are touching the Phoenix. And then um, I think it's Lily that shows up and, and and Data has to jump down like several stories on these catwalks. Um, and he was saying that, you know, Patrick knew that he had a fear of heights. And so Patrick would be like jumping up and down on the catwalk and rattling it just to like get <laughs> on, on Brent's nerves. Uh, and they had jerk. to, they had to shoot the scene or where, where Data drops down like several stories and then he's fine. And initially they had the, the stunt double do it and they shot it and then they, and then they cut. So for Jonathan Frakes was directing. So they, Jonathan shoots that with the stunt double and then they cut to Spiner to make it look like it was him that had done it. So they shoot that and they print it and they come back and they say, and Jonathan comes back to Brent and says, we, they can tell it's not you. So we have to shoot, we have to shoot it again and you have to do it. And this was like his biggest fear because he had this fear of heights. So they had to like put him in this, um, in the like rig, you know, and had like drop him down several stories and use this hydraulic thing to slow his descent at the end and all this stuff. And, and he had to do it twice because of <laughs> good, two takes Franks. Good, good old two takes Franks <laughs> yeah. came back and said, do it again. Yeah, do it. And did you see Patrick Stewart laughing when Brent Spiner was telling the story of Patrick jumping up and down on the thing? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. It was great. It was awesome. It was great. They all seemed super relaxed, like they're having fun and it was fun for the audience as well. Now, I think someone mentioned, you know, why don't they do this every year? But it appears next year they probably won't do a virtual first contact thing because they just announced Mission Star Trek Chicago for April 8th through 10th, 2022, which is the new official Star Trek convention, which would be the weekend after First Contact Day 2022. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, cool. So Reed Pop, who's a major company who they do New York Comic Con and Emerald City Comic Con and um, 
what else did they do? Star Wars Celebration. Well, the, that's the big one, yeah. They, they did, did Missions in New York, too. In 2016. Um, so they're bigger company than Creation, who used to do the official Star Trek conventions. And uh, they're taking over, and they're going to do a new city every year. I'm assuming it's always going to be around First Contact Day, but I don't know for sure. But it's pretty exciting that we're going back to in-person conventions um, yeah. and official Star Trek conventions. I feel like, I think CBS, this is going to be different than the creation conventions. Obviously, Creation's still going to do a big event this summer called, they're calling theirs 55-year mission. We're mm-hmm. all going. Um, it's basically going to be the same except with the official branding. Um New stars are going. There's going to be Discovery people, Strange New Worlds people there. So CBS is not keeping those people from going to the creation event. Um, But I get the sense that Mission Chicago is going to be a little less focused on photo ops and Hmm. autographs. I don't know. You got to think that, you know, the the goals of creation and CBS are slightly different. I mean, both you know, looking to, to make money from the conventions, obviously, but CBS also has this other takeaway of selling the brand as a whole and just like bolstering the Star Trek franchise, which isn't as valuable to someone like creation. So they're going to, they're going to make their money on the the photo ops and the gold passes with the breakfast and the whatever, Yeah, which is fine. And then, but then, yeah, I could totally see um, this, the official convention through read pop, since I assume CBS is going to have a, like pretty much full control over what happens, that they're going to use it as a vehicle to promote what they want to promote. So break whatever news they want to break. That's how the press release was worded. It's all in conjunction with Viacom CBS. So that I think they'll be much more involved than just being a licensee. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are you know, creation today sent out an email. Obviously, they're aware of the announcement. And. You know, they reminded people that there is something they do that other conventions don't do, which is you get reserved seating at their events. And for anyone who's gone to a Comic-Con, including New York Comic-Con or the Mission New York, you know, when they did that, it can be hard to find a seat when there's a major celebrity on stage. It can be hard to get into the room at all. At San Diego Comic-Con, forget about it. You don't go into the rooms unless you wait all day for one, you know, medium-sized thing that you might want to see. Yeah, so hopefully there won't be more tickets than seats, but there very well could be. I'm really curious to know what they think attendance is going to be at Mission Chicago. Right, it's a brand new con. It's the first year after the pandemic. I mean, exactly. even though conventions are starting again this summer, we think. Um, so it's going to be very hard to judge, for mm-hmm. sure. So we haven't talked yet about um, the Star Trek universe shows, each of which had a thing happening during First Contact Day. And why don't we go over those sort of in the order we think the shows are going to appear on Paramount Plus, starting with Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2. They announced that uh, a release date of august 12th they also released a teaser trailer uh which is our first look at season two what did people think of the new trailer it was busy (laughs) (laughs) they packed it in that's for sure well that's the nature of the show right yep 
It's fast paced. In that sense, it's almost like more of the same, not in a bad way, but fast paced, zany stuff. Lots of um, Star Trek Easter eggs. There was a Magatu in there and. And Bojitsu. The ultimate evolution of the martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Four lights. It did reveal what we, I think, already knew, which is that, you know, at least to start with, Boimler's still going to be on the Titan with yes. Frakes, yep. with Captain Frakes, Captain, uh, obviously, Riker. Riker. Captain um, Frakes. With crazy, even, well, crazy Riker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a different Riker. It's, yeah. it's like yeah. how movie Picard is not the same as TV Picard. Cartoon yeah, Riker is not the same thing <laughs> as... Yes. As yeah. real totally. life Riker. Totally. Good precedent, Kayla. <laughs> Way to cite precedent. <laughs> the one thing I liked about it was that like Mariners in the Brig, which we're used to, but I love that um Tendi and Rutherford are just hanging around outside the brig having a normal conversation <laughs> with her, like that's where they spend a lot of their time. Amazing. It looks good. It's hard to tell, but we loved season one. So, you know, what's not to like? I think it you know that they kind of flowed right from season one to season two uh, behind the scenes because they were given a two-season order, so they just kind of kept right. on going. Mm-hmm. There is good news that they've renewed the show for season three, which we kind of knew was going to happen. I mean, they'd already signed Mike McMahon for <laughs> yeah. a new contract, so it's, it would be weird for them not to do it. You know? But, but still, uh, But yeah, yeah, we're getting a third season for sure. Um, I suspect we're going to get a fourth and a fifth, you know, I mean, why not? There's the, everyone likes the show. I assume it's doing well for them. They never, they never reveal any of that. It's like when it's on, when it's the streaming straight to streaming thing, it's like they have those cars real close to their chest. I mean, it did get a name drop. Uh, the, the when it came out, the head of, Viacom CBS noted that it, you know, gave them a boost in subscriptions oh. um, during one of the investor calls last year. So, you know, it, I think it's doing well. Um, it, it also, if I could interject, it doesn't hurt Lower Decks that the Orville has disappeared. Hmm. Right? Because in terms of a sci-fi comedy, like, that's who I think would be there. You'd compare it to, and it's gone. It's hmm. a good point. I would think their biggest comparison would be Mike McMahon's other show um, and his oh, previous Solar show. Solar Opposites. Yeah. So you've got Solar Opposites on Hulu, which just the f- second season just dropped. It's a totally uh, different I, show, though. Like I feel like it appeals to different. Very right. different show. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like it. I didn't, but I don't, I like Lower Decks more. Uh, Rick and Morty. There's a show called Final Space on TBS or TNT, which is a kind of, pretty good sci-fi comedy um so there's kind of a sub-genre of animated sci-fi comedies that it's i think fits well into and i think it's one of the best um although most people would say rick and morty is you know the top of the heap right yeah yeah Yeah, i'm more of a lower decks fan me too (laughs) i'm so glad they did over rick and morty lower decks that's what i'm worried about yep same Mike McMahon had always said that they weren't going to do that. I mean, Solar Opposites is very Rick and Morty, and, but they went in a totally different direction with uh, and it's it's Mike is really the only carryover for sure. between the between the shows, um, and uh, so it's more like his TNG season eight 
uh, Twitter account that it is um, uh, Rick and Morty. Does anyone have anything else to say about Lower Decks Season 2? All I'll say is, I one thing I hope is that they, and, and maybe there's some implication that this would be the case, that they would rely sort of less and less on making Trek references. Like, I noticed a lot of the trailer, probably more than 50% of the trailer, probably a lot more than 50% of the trailer, is just straight up past Trek references. Now, I realize that that might just be because that's how they cut the trailer, because they, they want to show those off. But I'm hoping that that's not the balance we have on the show, because while I, I like the way they've done them, I don't think I would like to have any more Trek references than what they already have. In fact, I'd love to have less and less, because I'm I'm more interested in the story that they've made. I want to know what happens to Boimler and he's, his friends are missing him. And are they going to, when are they going to get back together? Like, I care more about that than seeing Ambo Jitsu, to be totally honest. I think they indicated that they are going to do less of that on the panel. That was the sense I got. But, but in a trailer, when they do stuff like that, it provides fodder for people like us to do hundred <laughs> hidden, hidden references that you didn't notice <laughs> for <laughs> articles and YouTube videos or whatever. So it's, it's great clickbait uh, fodder. No, you're right, but, but of course. It makes sense to I have sus- that in the I, trailer. I suspect they will go in the direction that you guys are describing. The, the, I think they're going into season two with a confidence that they don't have to rely on that. That's the sense I get from Mike during his panel. He's basically saying, we prove to you that we don't suck yeah. and we don't hate Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And now we could kind of start making what he called new star Trek. In other words, you know, defining their own world, even though of course they'll there, I'm still sure we'll be able to do an Easter egg article after every episode. <laughs> um, just cause they can't help themselves. But, you know, season one had a lot of Easter eggs and I get, I'm guessing season two will have fewer or maybe deeper cuts. Oh yeah. De- I'm all, all, I'm all here for deep cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the stuff in the trailer, things like the, uh, you know, the Miranda class and, you know, I'm not sure that would, they, they were very deep cuts. I think they were going for the um, prime cuts. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Tasty prime cuts from Lower Decks. <laughs> that could be now, a new I- title of your Easter egg article. <laughs> <laughs> now, e- even though it, it was kind of a staged moment during the panel, there was a moment where Will Wheaton Set asked Mike to pitch him a Wesley season eight story, right? Because oh, yeah. you know, because Mike had the book, the season eight book, and the season eight Twitter account, and he kind of laid out this silly Wesley thing, which he obviously prepared for because it was too elaborate to do on the fly. Um, but I, you know, the way those two were talking, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm reading into it, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we're going to see Will Wheaton show up on the show. Well, because Mike has said before that he wanted Wesley on. Yeah. And uh, and you know Will Wheaton would be thrilled to do it. So 100%. it seems like a kind of obvious win-win. I think he said so in the interview we did for Trek Movie, but I can't remember now. Yeah, it was your I, interview. I, was it me? I, I forget. Think so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm pretty sure that was you. I think, I think you yeah. said you should call him. <laughs> <laughs> right. I th- we mostly talked about live action, but I think, yeah, tangentially, we kind of got into the, yeah, I mean, he, Will's up for anything. He's so enthusiastic about everything, basically, but I'm sure he'd love to do it. 
Does that mean you get 10%? <laughs> I, I, I would, I think so. I think that's how it works, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to the next show. We think this is no, but this isn't for sure. hundred percent, but we think the next show to show up in 2021 we know it's showing up in 2021, but will be Prodigy season one. Right. Yes. Um, it's going to be on Paramount Plus. It was originally just going to be on Nickelodeon, um, but now it's going to show up on Paramount Plus first. And we didn't get a trailer. I think last week, Lori and I were. Lori said, I think we're just going to see Janeway. And I thought she was totally wrong. But she was right. <laughs> you were right, Lori. I assume, I said that we're going to get a trailer and I was totally wrong. I, I do wish we could see them in motion. Like, I want to see something, you know. I wish you were right, Tony. I, I was thinking they were further along. I thought we were. I Aren't thought they? Prodigy, I thought Prodigy I was, was going to show yeah. up before Lower Decks. Me too. But, but now it looks like it's the other way around. I guess it's because it takes forever to do the CG animation. But if they're if if they're if it's coming out this year, they have they have episodes in the can now, don't you think? At least at least segments of animated and I don't know how it all works. Yeah, um, well, yeah. But I know CG animation takes a long time. I, I guess they. I'm sure they wanted to because they they released three trailers that you know mm-hmm. why not mm-hmm. release four? They really should have like released. You know, like CG Janeway, like talking or something, or character name, character names yeah. and details would have been great. Oh yeah, or that even. I would yeah. have been thrilled to see everybody's name and and a little background on who they are. We <laughs> started with almost nothing, except we knew Janeway's in it. We know it's about teens who take over a ship. Um, Those but- teens. You know, we we didn't know teenagers. So we we've kind of moved the ball quite a bit. I mean, we're we're talking about all the things we didn't get. What we did get, well, first, so we did get confirmation that indeed Janeway is hologram Janeway. Yes, Colby. Which, like, let's be real. That was the only way that was going to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, I mean, we put that up on the site. Some people were saying, no, you know, I think it's going to be real Janeway. You're being nitpicky. No. And I'm like, no. It just, it doesn't make sense. Um, what I didn't think, I thought they were going to be in another galaxy. I'm yeah, surpri- I'm surprised they set it in the Delta Quadrant again. How would they be in yes. another galaxy? That's kind well, of weird. They sent I, the I thought Delta it was going to be again. some kind of experimental. Well, I thought there was... I knew they were going to have to be very, very far from the Federation, right? So if you think about, if you want to put something very far from the Federation, you either do it in time, like 4,000 years in the future, or you do it in distance. And, you know, because if you're in the Alpha or Beta Quadrant, you're basically close. If you're in the Gamma Quadrant, if you're in the Gamma Quadrant, you know, you could head back to the wormhole, probably. The wormhole. Then there's the Delta Quadrant, which has kind of been there. So I thought, well, you know, hmm. you're out of you're out of quadrants. So <laughs> pick another, you know, so pick another galaxy. But so, we've discovered a the, parallel parallel the, quadrants, the octants. <laughs> the octants. <laughs> or they could but, send them to the bub the bubbles from where no one has gone before that the traveler takes them to. Oh yeah, everyone wants like, to see a return to the bubble verse. Yes, where they've gone they've so far. For. Yes. Um, and it's <laughs> shortly after Voyager, like a uh, five years after Voyager's return, I think. Right. So now some people have noted the image of Janeway they show is her 
even though it's hologram Janeway, it's the Janeway in her Voyager uniform. So the question is, when you know, because when Janeway got back from the the Delta Quadrant, she probably started immediately wearing the new Starfleet uniform. Like, like and she got promoted. Nemesis. Yeah, she got promoted. And yeah, all that. Right. Stuff. So why, you know, but they 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 said something during the panel of like this isn't Captain Janeway or Admiral Janeway. It is a emergency training hologram and I guess the emergency training hologram likes to wear the older uniform. Well, I mean, here here's how you do this. So, out of universe, we all know why they put her in that uniform because it looks better, frankly, especially in an animated thing. You want more color, right? You don't want just like gray with a little line of color. They want her to read. It, like, and they wanted it, her to it, look it, like it, how she looked in the show. Yeah. It's, a, it's a branding thing. They want people to see the image of Kate Mulgrew in that uniform on Netflix and click on it. But in universe, you can, you can do this so easily. In universe, you just say, oh, it was like this early prototype version that we made and it just somehow got onto the ship that whoever, how'd this ship get over there anyway? They already have to come up with a bunch of explanation for how that happened. So there you go. Boom. Done. Well, mm-hmm. here's the other thing. So what's your in-universe versus uh, production reason for this, which is why is it an emergency training hologram? I mean, you know, what's emergency about it? Like ships should just have training holograms. (laughs) Okay. That's a really good point to the emergency part. The training hologram out of my out of universe explanation is this is the kid's show. And you have the classic role of older person. Who's like the sage mentor. That's clearly who she is. So she's not the star of the show, Obi-Wan Kenobi, but she's the Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's the, you know, Rupert Giles to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She (laughs) is the better precedent. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully she doesn't just live in the holodeck. Like I don't want, maybe she's got a mobile emitter that exists. Or there are holographic things all over the ship. If you're going to make a ship with an emergency training hologram, emergency command hologram, whatever you put holographic emitters all over the ship. Emergency right. holographic emitters. Emergency, yeah, only. emergency, emergency that's right. Use only. <laughs> that's right. Emergency use only. Maybe the yes. idea was like, um, you know, some old curmudgeons were like, were like ranting about having holograms training our cadets. Like, oh, I don't like, like, you know, people complaining today about kids getting online degrees or whatever. They're like, you need to be there in person. So, like, okay, okay, we'll only use it in emergencies. That's only fine. in emergencies. <laughs> I mean, I, I, they definitely are leaning. I mean, it is a kids show, and so they certainly are leaning into this notion of the show's going to—they're going to be learning lessons. And they kind of talked about how, you know, the Federation and the ideals of the Federation and how they're going to be learning those lessons. So these these kind of troublesome kids are going to be learning about, you know, Friendship. cooperation and. <laughs> I mean, Morals. it's it's which is. Which is good. I it's mean, that's great. that's what a good kids show is. So, uh, are they going to learn about Tuvix <laughs> <laughs> and the moral ethical dilemmas there? <laughs> Look, kids. Sometimes um, you got to make the hard choices. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes <laughs> you, you, anyway. you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. Or, or yeah, <laughs> destroying destroying a gestalt entity so you have your cook back to make you omelets. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> to, to drink with your nebula, to eat with your nebula coffee. Can we That's right. please make a T-shirt with a picture of Tuvix on it that says, "You can't make an omelet without breaking a couple of eggs." Oh my gosh! <laughs> That's great. And yeah, then sure. like, and then like dash Janeway, like she said. <laughs> now speaking of the kids, 
there's been a lot of speculation since that image came out in February about, yeah. are there aliens? Do we know which aliens? Some people think there's like a book alien in there. Um, so there is apparently a deep cut that no one has spotted yet, which is one of the aliens has some connection to the original series. So I haven't figured out which one. I have no idea, but off the top of my head, what I first thought of was... Maybe the little rock guy is some kind of new cartoony version of an Excalibur, you know, yeah, the God good that idea. tests them, you know, in the good and evil test in the, the Abraham Lincoln episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. He's like Yarnak. It was like Yarnak or some kind of weird. Yeah, Yarnak, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe I remembered that. You, you did it. Well right. done. <laughs> well done. Wait, are you talking I... about the the big rock character? Yeah, yeah the rock creature. Right. Oh. Because I was thinking maybe it's somehow related to the Horda, like some kind of Horda hybrid cool. or something. Well, there is that too. And in fact, there's 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 non-canonical precedent for that in uh, comics. They actually had like sort of Hordas like serve on uh, the Enterprise, but but Hordas yeah. aren't humanoid. Yeah, well, they don't have eyes they, and smile. They fudge that. <laughs> you guys wave. should look it up in memory. <laughs> look it up on memory. It's kind of crazy. Look it up on memory beta, but they actually did work in. Yeah, I think he doesn't look Horda. enough like a lasagna to be the Horda. But and, yeah, I don't think he's Horda. And I don't think a Horda would wear those overalls. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, and and Laura, you think you think the that character is a she, right? No, I hope that character's a sheep. Oh yeah, I, I hope so too. Actually, dude. but I, I just want like when I look at the characters, I yeah, I don't want be... there to just be one woman besides Janeway who's super skinny. So I was hoping yeah. that the blob or the big rock thing like a... would be female. Oh. Yeah, that could be like you know the awkward large lady. You know, cute little, cute <laughs> so, little... sometimes I feel like an awkward large. Lady. Yeah, I know. Well, don't we all? <laughs> I mean, really, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of interesting angles of diversity amongst that crew i imagine in, so in terms which, of which is, genders or possibly even gender well i mean identities. one of them one of them is you know a robot does, so does does it identify as any kind of gendered person or not like who knows you know the ai in there does it what is what does it identify as you know it's a good question now kate mulgrew said something a little weird <laughs> during the panel which is she when she was first shown what Janeway looked like, she thought that they made Janeway too beautiful. Mm. Mm-hmm. And apparently this was like a big deal. Like they went back and forth on it and she asked them to make changes to make Janeway a little less hot. <laughs> Good for her. So, the, yeah, um, I could see it being like too stylized, you know, and stuff. And she's like, no, that's, that doesn't really look like me. Like, she doesn't want to look like a Disney princess. Right. Yeah. Right. There, I mean, there's one thing that people are reacting to, which is when you look at the pictures, <laughs> Janeway looks like she plays for the WNBA. Right. But, <laughs> she's ridiculous to tell. but of Legs course, for but, days. But, yeah. but, they, but a lot of them look like that. <laughs> they all look like that. Yeah. So, that, so when you put her against a white background, she looks like she's got these crazy long legs. Crazy. But when you line them all up, they a all... bunch of them have long legs, yeah. Right. I mean, if you look at the picture, if if you just took the picture of Leonard Nimoy out of the monorail episode of The Simpsons, you'd go, why does he look so yellow? You know, but <laughs> it's because they all do, right? It's you know, they all do. <laughs> it, 
Also, his out. nose is ridiculously big in that episode. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, because, it's, because it's a cartoon. It's a caricature. A yeah. 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 I so, think the legs uh, are a bit long, but I love the animation style, and I think they all, all the characters look awesome. Yeah. Everything is pointing in the right direction. And, uh, you know, we've talked before about David Mack saying this is the best show. That's right. Ever or something. I forget. Something very. It was very. Yeah. And that's a lot because David Mack's not just like heat praise on things. You know what I mean? He's he's careful with his words usually when he says stuff. So I think that means something. And I thought Kate Mulgrew looked giddy every time she talked about it. Like she just glowed every time she described it and said she's had so much fun with every single part of it so that makes it sound more fun also mm-hmm. she seems proud of it for I sure mean, for there's, sure there's something about the concept because i described the show to my 17 year old who is not in the demographic for this and he said right. oh that i would watch so right huh, there, there you go. go i'm super psyched for the show i gotta admit yeah me too I mean, if they're smart, and they really kind of have to be, it has to appeal to some, some level to kind of both parents and kids, right? Because, like, that's kind of how things are mostly, not mostly, but a lot of times that's how shows are written, is they know they've got to keep parents and kids attention. Right. right? Like, parents so. watch with their kids, and so if the exactly. parents are also entertained, and I speak from experience, we will watch a lot more episodes of a show <laughs> See? if right. we you are also entertained. Buying. I mean, look at I, I, uh, to me, it always goes back to Bugs Bunny cartoons, hmm. mm-hmm. which could be enjoyed by everybody equally. Mm-hmm. Yes. Agreed. But this is a, I mean, those are from a different era, and um, you know, well, Lori, we can make it about Phineas and Ferb. That's enjoyable. Yes. Uh, pretty much to anyone. I, I love, I still love Phineas and Ferb. Yeah. But this is, this show, I mean, they, which kind of tweaks some people because they constantly talk about how this is the first Star Trek show made for kids. And people go, what about the animated series? You know, which was a Saturday morning cartoon. True enough. Um but this is on Nickelodeon. You have to think of all the other programming on Nickelodeon. So when they talk about adults watching the show, they always talk about it in context of with their kids. <laughs> Not yes. me. You know, I'm going to watch um, the heck out of this. I don't care. <laughs> right. But well, they're, yeah. they're, they are not expecting or, or aiming for adults to watch the show on their own. That cool. they are, they're going to be perfectly satisfied if the only people who watch the show are kids and adults with their kids. That's their goal with this show well listen and, you know, i have more money than all those kids combined so i will buy more of your merchandise so you should make what <laughs> I want. yeah i was gonna say they um, want kids parents and kayla exactly they want me because i will buy all of their merchandise yeah dis- people with disposable income please exactly. you know, it's like <laughs> adult dual income no kids yeah dinks right here yeah dinks, dinks. yeah <laughs> But I, you know, I'm just looking forward to all the people, you know, online who start complaining about silly things related to the show when, you know, without keeping the context of how they're making the show and who they're making it for, you know. And uh, as much as I hate that, that, like it's part of being a Trekkie, comes to the territory. People are going to do that to everything that has Star Trek written on it. The the best part of loving Star Trek is hating Star Trek. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there was a funny moment on one of the panels where Will Wheaton was joking, saying, because every time there's a new Star Trek show, the fans are all 100% positive, and then everybody burst out laughing. Uh, (laughs) 
So um, let's move on to the final show that's going to arrive sometime in 2021, which is this fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. Ah, yes. Um, And there wasn't a panel about this, but they released a trailer during the Woman in Motion panel, which was introduced by Sinequa. So it's it was the long I think it was the longest teaser of all of them, the most substantial of all of the uh, ones released, wasn't it? It I felt think like so. the yeah. most. It felt like the most happened in this one. Mm-hmm. Well, so what, it's what, also what, just the nature of Discovery trailers too. Is... <laughs> Discovery will <laughs> stop. Yeah, they like to do that. So, what did people think of the teaser? It's a lot um, of familiar, like, mm-hmm. I just feel like every season, is, and I like the show a lot, but I feel like every season is two big themes. One, the whole galaxy's at stake, and two, we can get through it together. Family. They didn't, they didn't change that. Like, I was saying the lines out loud before they said them, like, together. So <laughs> I I wish that yeah. they would Lori, Lori, more- find hope in each other. Oh, God, I'm going to throw up a little. In the stars, we found our family, Saru, even though this is the first scene I've ever done with you. Right. (laughs) So there's a little bit bit too much of that, I agree. Like, too much of that. Okay, so the other thing that, like, cracked me up is also apparently it's now, they now must put Burnham in a suit, like an exosuit of some sort. Oh, the Tron suit. Yeah, this time it's the Tron suit. But she's got to be like in, in an Iron Man suit, basically, in every season now, apparently. So, like, I don't know. Tilly Ward in 1.2. Yep. So oh, I, I think it's kind of a... And there's a scene where I think a few of them wearing it, and it, it's basically it's like... their yeah, survival space. suit or whatever. Yeah, but they, yeah. They, they appeared to have swords or something. Yeah. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but, you know. <laughs> so they're fighting with the Kawat Malat. Yeah, that's what like, I thought, too. I think it what it is. Yeah, yeah I think so. so. Okay. And well, I, I, so so that means mom mom Burnham shows back up again. Oh again. God! Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! We're definitely going to see the uh, sorry uh, the Romulans and the Vulcans, who I yep. guess are either partnering with or rejoining the Federation. Yeah, it looks like they're at least being courted, right, to kind of come back. So and, Saru's girlfriend yeah. is back. Yeah, <laughs> totally. there's, a, there's a little. Isn't there some like intense like Saru and what's her name? Um, yeah, action right there. That kind of. Well, I think it's mostly moment. Doug. I think mostly Doug thinks that there is. Um, <laughs> well, but, I can, you can see it on screen. It's not like totally. right, but that's. I think he kind of leaned. In. I don't think they. <laughs> I don't think they wrote it that way. But I, I'm hoping they pick up on it. They better. We, now, we, I think we're seeing the president of the Federation, which is oh, this yeah. new female character mm-hmm. um, who looks to be partially Cardassian, yep. which is kind of cool. Although someone's going to have to catch people. You know, you have to remember all these people from the 23rd century. So like, okay, so Michael, there's these people called the Cardassians and they suck, <laughs> but... But they're good now. But now it's but now it's fine. But now they're yeah. cool, you know, yeah. and now we breed with them. And uh, <laughs> so that, co- <laughs> that covers that. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 here's the president. Yeah. Um so don't stare at her spoon. Um <laughs> don't stare at her spoon. <laughs> we should probably talk about the uniforms. That was uh, I thought yeah. the biggest reveal of the it, whole it is. trailer. It's, that's huge in a good way. That's huge. It makes so much sense, but it's kind of stupid because yeah. they is I always wanted them to and season three, getting out of the uniforms, because I think we all universally didn't like the 
season one through three uniforms, right? The kind of original. I, I, I think I'm the only one who likes them. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so they design new uniforms for the Federation or for Starfleet, but they designed them to look good inside of Starfleet HQ, right? Yep. So in the Apple store, they looked great. And so during her panel, Gersha, b- before the trailer came out, started talking about how they realized later on how they didn't look good on the discovery sets. Cause <laughs> yeah. they're the same color as the uniform. <laughs> um, and so people kind of disappear, especially the way they light the show. So um, they said, okay, well let's just reverse the colors. And uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. Still not a fan of like their new design very yeah. much, but I mean, I like the colors. I'm so happy to see yeah, the colors. Yeah, they back. flip flop the colors, Ditto. but they don't look comfortable at all. They look like the minute you could take off that outfit, you would. Yeah, like it looks. And they also look a little and weird. They look a little stiff. fascist still. Yeah, too. like yes. a suit, like a business suit of the future. Have you ever seen what the, it looks like without the jacket? Like, I guess you always mm-hmm. have to wear the jacket. No, we have no idea, right? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we saw the security chief. She wore a slightly different version of the 32nd century. She had a kind of onesie jumper. Willa? If I remember. Willa, right. Oh, yeah. That looked okay. But her. I don't think that's what's under the jacket. I think that's no, kind think of a different totally uniform. Different. Yeah, yeah, so maybe so. that maybe a version of that'll show up too. Um, that would be smart because that looks fairly. That one fit with a lot of other things too. It fit with uh, the episode we were watching a few weeks ago in our trick. Oh, movie future the one with seven. Seven yeah. goes into the yeah yeah. It ties into that relatively. Rel- thank you. I was like R or something. Like <laughs> it, it it fit a lot with those. So I think it's nice to have hmm. that. You know. Now the the big bad this season and we. This Alex Kurtzman kind of telegraphed this in a panel a few weeks ago. Is not a person or an entity. It's it's a kind of spatial anomaly or something. Yeah, yeah. A, Gravity, gravitational anomaly. You know, there's not a guy that you could you know fight and punch. It could be a so, sentient gravitational anomaly. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Maybe it's <laughs> Nagilam. Maybe it's Nagilam come back from the bubble verse. <laughs> We could only hope. But, I mean, that's different. I guess that the, the the season will be. Is it? It sounds like season three. Like there's because some big cosmic disturbance. That's. I mean, I guess that uh, there was a reason behind it, and uh, yeah, we always thought that maybe the big bad was going to be related to the burn, but it turns out the big bad was just taking advantage of the burn, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there, there, there was never someone behind, or there was someone behind it, but it was an innocent accident. Innocent. Yeah, yeah. We didn't see him. Did we see him in the trailer at all? Mm-mm, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we saw Saru in his ambassadorial like outfit yeah. on Kaminar for a second, but not. Um... There was one other Kelpian, but I, it, I couldn't. He didn't look familiar. Yeah, I think we're going to see Saru on Kaminar, and there is a shot. That looks like Saru is back at his station in red, right? Yeah, but in, in full in full captain's uh, insignia, actually, too, which is weird. And and he's got an extra badge. Oh too. yeah, that's his Kelpian like pendant. He's yeah. wearing that on Kelpie uh, on uh, Kaminar. On Kelpie, yeah, Kelpie, yeah. <laughs> Kelpie, I, I, yeah. Hope, <laughs> I hope he's 
I hope he doesn't get demoted back to commander. So I th- I think he's still a captain. But, well, so then that's weird, super- right? Because because like then what? Well, well Michael Burnham. Oh. Like there's even a line like Michael Burnham, you are the one in charge or something. Yeah, like she's right. the captain. So now we have a um, Star Trek Two situation where both like we have like Spock as a captain. Kirk gets devoted to a captain by the end of four, and they're both captain. Oh yeah, and they're both captains for a brief period of time, and so it's so well, weird. It's, it it's wasn't weird. Scotty a captain too? Because he's yes. promoted to captain of engineering in whatever captain of engineering what? means. Yes, yeah. By yeah. Star Trek six, four of them were captains. Exactly, which is which is like nuts. <laughs> but whatever. Come on, guys. So, besides the trailer itself, uh, what else did we learn? We learned a little bit from the behind the scenes panel. Um, we knew that this was happening, but they're using this new AR wall for yes. season two, which is cool. That should be good. What what I was glad to hear, I mean, it's a minor detail, but there's a there's a couple ways these AR walls work. One is it's literally just a wall, um, which is kind of the cheap version, but it sounds like they're going for the Dilly Deluxe version, which is a kind of AR. The t- 70 degree version. That's what, right, that's like, what they said, right? Right, so, which is what they do with the Mandalorian, which they call the volume where you yeah. kind of go into this space and everywhere you turn the camera is these LED walls. Which, like, if you guys, if you haven't seen this, it's incredibly impressive. We linked to one yeah, of the it's awesome. It's, it's, it's impressive what they can do. Just in the right time because of COVID, it's probably harder to do location shooting for them. And But I think for the actors, it's going to be great because they're not acting against blue screen anymore. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure they're still doing that on the bridge. But uh, unless they have a wall for the bridge too, but I don't think they do. Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, you know, they did for this side. They did have something like that for Orville, and then they stopped using it for some reason. So I think it made everyone sick. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> no, really, the motion that of makes it, sense. Yeah, a lot of like, if you go back and read like the season one interviews and stuff with some of those people, they'll mention that it was hard to deal with, like. Because it's motion sickness, basically. Like you're watching a thing, spaceflight, and whatever's going on is replayed there. I mean, honestly, sometimes watching the new shows when they're doing that in the windows, I feel a little bit like, whoa, a little bit. <laughs> this might speed up the process of the show in post-production. So maybe yeah. we yeah. will the get this too. sooner because, and they talked about this on the panel, a lot of stuff that you would do in post-production, you have to do ahead of time, right? Because the- yep. You know, so they need to know what the world looks like and the, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, because that's like literally uh, projected. No, it's more than projected, but that's literally actually like sent to the giant LED screen behind them. And so they have to know pretty much exactly what it looks like, give or take. You know, that's good. Like you were saying, Uh, I will say I just saw a moment in the trailer that I wanted to remember to bring up, which is that we get to learn. It looks like we're going to finally learn a little more about book you know the mystery of book and why he has powers because he eventually like there's that moment between him and the um well what is their what is their doing the race called now the thank you navarre the navarre ambassador and she looks like she's about to mind meld with yep. book and so i'm very curious because of course i think we all want to know like what's the deal with book right and 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 the kind of implications of book can control the spore drive yep don't don't they want more spore drives and is the disco gonna still be the only ship in the fleet and are there other people like book out there who can control other ships so 
Um, yeah, I, th- I would imagine that's a, a, a big question for Starfleet at the moment. But let's face it, there's no one else like Book. Nah, he's right. great, yeah. <laughs> she said with love. <laughs> I, <guess>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also noticed Detmer got a new implant, it looks like. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She get her eye. She gets her eyebrow back. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a moment where it looks like because this gravitational anomaly sounds like pretty hairy. Where yeah. everyone on the bridge flies, you know, so it basically turns off all the gravity on your ship. It looks like it does serious damage to the Discovery. And I'm wondering, are we going to see another refit or possibly new sets? Because there's a shot where it looks like the bridge set is just completely destroyed and which mm. might be a re an, a good excuse for them to, you know, redo the inside of the ship. Maybe it'll look like next generation. Like a Hilton, the carpeting. Exactly. You know, is there going to be a carpet. horseshoe? Yeah. <laughs> I did like that shot where they all go flying into the air. Me I too. That looked great. It was pretty rad. Yeah. Good uh, wire work or whatever. Oh, and, and grudge was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they made sure to have a full on like two second shot of grudge. <laughs> well, they, they got to sell those grudge books, so they want to give the people what they want. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> One of the fun things during the behind the scenes, uh, I'm I'm not sure how serious she was about this, but they were talking about cosplayers and how impressive cosplayers are, and Gersha said they have hired some cosplayers. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, as designers, she said. Because that's yeah. what he said. He said you should hire some as designers. And she said, oh, we have. Speaking of cosplay and fan art, um, something that they showed uh, when they were talking about Prodigy was pictures of fan art and even one woman who had done this full, really detailed cosplay of one of the characters, you know, before we even have seen a single moving clip from the show. People are already doing art of all the characters and cosplay so that's that was pretty cool that they showed off some of those. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool, but I also thought, what if they watch it and then hate that character? <laughs> <laughs> How I mean, could we, they? Come we on. saw that with um, Lower Decks, too. We saw yeah, Tammy yeah. cosplay. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. But actually, I, at least in that case, people knew what the names of the characters right. were. You know, we know so whereas, little about Prodigy. But the Hageman brothers were like, blown away they're like we've never you know they've done big shows they've won emmys they are yeah but ain't nobody cosplaying trolls okay (laughs) the trolls world tour you know star trek and trolls two universes that are not on exactly the same kind of footing they're troll hunters sorry trolls is the other one they're trolls are different (laughs) yeah sorry well they're both popular kids franchises i'm sorry i messed up i know but troll one's, hunters though. one's got like cool cred and one really doesn't. i know and one's ridiculously yeah. dorky yeah like i know sorry sorry hegeman brother <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure they're listening <laughs> yeah they're, they're listening and now they're mad taken out yeah. of the will matt yeah exactly they do follow us on twitter so you know be careful <laughs> <laughs> they are they are watching so, uh, any anything else on Star Trek Discovery season four? No, uh, no. We we don't really know the timing of it either, right? We're just sort of piecing together that it's probably like late this year. Is my yeah. is our sort of guess, right? I mean, basically, we only know one date, right. August twelfth, yeah. and then we know two other shows are showing up in twenty twenty one. So they got to flow from that. Like it's kind of you know, right? So it's going to be in fact. This year, though. 
if, if Wait, we're going by how ready these shows are, it's quite possible Discovery shows up before Prodigy. That's a fair um, point. And yeah, that makes me wonder. I wonder how far they've gotten into like even uh, episodes, just shooting episodes, ignoring post production. I'm curious how far along they are in production. Well, they started in in November. I yeah, think they, so they got to be pretty far, right? I think they shot three episodes in 2020. Um, and I think they've done maybe six this year so far. So they're getting you know, there, man. Yeah, they're. I think they're going on a hiatus, mm-hmm. or they're on hiatus now, and then they're going to get back to it and finish up in the summer. So yeah, they could have the show out by October, maybe. In theory, yeah, especially if they're saving time in post because of the well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's other post things they can't save time on. Right. Like, yeah, there's no time. Right, but there's like the, less the, of it. There's less of it. Right. The music yeah. is still guess, a pain in the ass. Although I guess that's going to stop soon because California is opening up like 100 percent by June, mm-hmm. and they maybe I don't know if you could do an orchestra yet or not. Maybe you can. I mean, there are a lot of other productions. I mean, ostensibly, if you had a big enough hall <laughs> with people spaced out a little bit, right? Yeah, I don't know. They could do them in groups. Who knows? But they probably I, maybe I, I bet season four won't. They won't need to do the crazy thing that they had to do with season three, which is everybody has to record on their own at home. Can I just say, by the way, it's not like I ever noticed that. So kudos to them. It's not like it ever felt. I don't know, strange or like weak or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, they did an amazing job with that. I can't imagine putting something like that together. Mm -hmm. Jeff Russo did a panel during WonderCon, and they talked about this. And it, it, you know, apparently it's just a huge pain in the ass. Oh, I imagine so. And like more than they realized. And there are certain musicians that were, you know, he didn't want to bag on anyone, but basically some were better at it than others. Some need a lot of hand holding and a lot of phone calls or Zoom calls to kind of. You know, because they send you the equipment and you kind of got to do it. Yeah, it's a DIY <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's like here, set this up. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you can't. You know, there's how many seventy of them, or I forget how many. Um, I think fifty something actually for those guys. So let's move on to Star Trek Picard. Ah, yes, this was to, filled with tantalizing little glimpses of mostly Chachkis in his study, but they told you a lot, I think. This teaser is the furthest out. So so the show's going to be, they said, 2022, which we kind of right. knew, knew, right? And it, they, basically, they created a teaser trailer that is a true teaser. This is obviously not footage from season two. This is something they made yes. for this event. Um, although, you know, it might tie into it. But, it, you know, there's no people in it. There's a voiceover. Yeah. Yeah. It's just his study, and it's you know close-ups on various things. Um, but you know, I I, I mean, I kind of like that because that they were they weren't stitching something; they they were making a little story here, and they were essentially dropping hints about what season two is about. I mean, it's like a proper teaser in that sense. It really is teasing you. <laughs> so I've got my guesses. What do you guys think? Well, I think it's uh, kind of interesting that there's also that uh ds9 artifact that like cisco shatters um ends up in picard's study that seems like that might be kind of hinting at something right Hmm. well is it the same i was trying to figure out like maybe it's just generic bajoran 
tablet no, as opposed that, to that was a unique thing that he had to search for in the in the. I thought maybe there's other ones because was it pieced back together? I mean, how does it? No, it's crumbled. I mean, if you look, it's broken. Also, time travel. They're hinting at something there. Well, they said it a bunch of times. (laughs) I feel like I think the word don't the time. Yeah, okay. The word time. Yeah, the word time comes out. I think seven times. You see, you see an hourglass running backwards. Yeah, Um, the true final frontier (laughs) is time. Yes. I think it was kind of funny that Patrick Stewart during his talking part of the panel was trying not to give, I don't know if he was being clever about this, but he's like, I can't give you any spoilers. So I can't tell you about where we're, you know, the places we're going to go or the times we're going to go. And it's like, wait, you mean, so that's, so you're saying there's going to be one more, more than one time. But it's not like that, like clearly wasn't a well-kept secret. (laughs) Right, like I think they were like we revealed well, this, this in the teaser. I, I think just like they heavily had, there's been some serious like heavy implications and like rumors that Q was going to. Yeah, again, out. like if like, like we, if if afterwards they're going to be like, well, we can't tell you if a certain omnipotent being will be there. Like that's because they just told you. <laughs> they basically just said it, and they've been hinting at it since what December. He right? literally so. has a voiceover. You know, well, in, they in the weren't hinting at it. Teaser. No, they no, weren't, but I mean, it's out there in the ether. Right. John Delancey blabbed during a cameo that he was coming back. <laughs> and the yeah, cameo yeah. ended up on YouTube. That's I'm sure right. CBS were super jazzed about super that. Super thrilled by that, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, I mean, maybe they were, but I, you know, knowing them, they prefer not to have these things leak out. So, yeah, that's an understatement. We knew he was coming. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he's back. He He showed up in the panel. So it's basically, it's Q, it's time travel. Brent Spiner. Just somehow involved again. I, I guess the assumption is soon, but. I mean, that, that was a weird thing about, so that had nothing to do with the trailer. So they with the trailer, they send a press release. And Brent Spiner's name was just, you know, returning for season two are blah, 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 blah. You know, and all the people we know and Brent Spiner. But it wasn't like, you know. They didn't put it in the headline. They didn't make a big deal. It was just kind of like, like Brent Spiner's back. I guess maybe they they thought people assumed he's coming back. I feel like they said he was coming back a while ago. I well, think like he, that might have. Yeah, I, I think, think so. they said he'd be back as as Alton Sung or whatever. Yeah. Well, Akiva said they could. You know that they created this character as a platform. I think is what he said. So you know they implied he could come back, but this was the confirmation of that. Um. Now we all want those the two Romulans to come back, Heck which yeah. was, but for some weird reason, the press release mentioned one of them, but not the other. Right? What the heck? I mean, really? Let's face it. Laris is the standard. Laris is the still. coolest one. Yeah. But still, still, but still get, bring them both back. Yeah. I mean, weird. come on. Do you, you know, not do you too. do you bring you know do you bring in Abbott without Costello? I mean, you know, right. it's you weird. Know, it's just, weird. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it just it just feels weird to have Laris and no Zaban. Um, so maybe it was an oversight. Maybe they ran out of, you know, text. So I don't know what it was. Well, I mean, there's somebody who definitely would have been mentioned, and it's odd that she's not mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think, right? Which is, which is all this talk about what about a year ago or so about Whoopi Goldberg being invited on to season two? And yeah, we haven't heard anything about that. It was. 
you know, the Hollywood Reporter confirmed she's coming back. Michael Chabon talked about writing scenes for her. So, I mean, in and and recently she kind of talked about it as well. So either they wrote her out. Mm, like she was she was definitely going to be in it. Yeah. So they either wrote her out and, and they had a hell of a lot of time to rewrite season two. That's what I'm saying. Like they sp- <laughs> and they've even said they spent extra time on it, so or they are just hold, you know, because Whoopi Goldberg is still a major star. She's an EGOT, and they're going to make a big deal out of it when they reveal yeah. Yeah. she's back. Even I mean, it would be great to have her because, you know, it would be great because if Q's back, she and Q have this whole, right, this whole backstory that we don't know about. Where they hiss and make claw faces at each other, you know? Yeah. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, we want to know, like, Canada L. Arian or L. Or- whatever um can they like if a q tried to wink her out of existence can she can she stop it no she would use okay, jazz so- hands and it would be super effective okay. <laughs> <laughs> while exactly. wearing a big hat so yes. I, I read a theory that her powers actually come from her prolonged time in the nexus rather than from being an elorian so maybe she learned some tricks there that allow her to counter the q continuum but wouldn't you like to find out? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to. I kind of like that theory because if you think about Soren, yeah. if he if he had superpowers, would he need to do everything that he right. did? And he, and he, yeah, he obviously didn't. So, and then uh, there's that really really pathetic uh, Alorian who shows up on Deep Space Nine where he tries to swindle people. Oh, yeah. out of money. Chris yeah, Sarandon, Chris Sarandon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He has no superpowers, that's no. for sure. No. Terrible, yeah. terrible episode. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> there was something in the teaser trailer. You know, I mean, they do that whole thing with the Queen of Hearts card. But of course, that yeah. was also a big thing in the first episode of season one. Right. That's like True. Data was holding the five queen queens of hearts. He had five of them. Oh, yeah. Would it be Queen of Hearts or Queens of Hearts? (laughs) (laughs) But either way, he had had five of them. It would be Queen of Hearts. It would be Queen of Heart cards. Ah, there you go. That's not as fun. That's not as fun, though. It doesn't roll roll so trippingly off the tongue. Some people were reading into that saying, Queen, Borg Queen. I I, I don't see that connection. That seems, yeah. But we, uh, during the panel, Patrick Stewart did indicate that his whole formerly Borg trauma is going to come back in season two. I always kind of hoped that they did something more with that and that that's kind of where we would get go with in season two. And maybe Picard's finally going to deal well, with the Borg, the threat of the Borg. Who well, is still you know, that's, that's what kind of irk to me about season one is you know who would be great to work with him on that and to go somewhere interesting with yeah Hugh. we yeah. were all disappointed yeah. when That's they killed him off because yeah. it yeah. seemed like they were, were priming picard to be this voice for the voiceless these these right. reclaimed the XBs. the XBs, yeah, yeah. and he, and then they just like were they were just like that well there's like that, no, that storyline's a dead to- end Knife to the neck by the like, right. Yeah, yeah, that was that was unfortunate. That was a very bad choice. Come on, Jonathan Del Arco was all into this. Why did what why don't they want him back for another season? He's yeah. a great yeah. ambassador for the franchise too, because he's so yeah. positive and enthusiastic. 
Um, but I, so this, anyway. this scene in, in season one between Seven and Picard, where they talk about their mutual experience, it was such a, Frakes brought it up during the panel, but it was such a good scene that I remember yep. it as being much longer than it was. And when I went back yeah. and watched it, it's super short. It's like, it's very it's like brief. five back and forth yeah. things and that's it. But it's, it's powerful and it's intense. So I hope they do delve into that some more with both of them. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's got to involve both of them. Yeah. They are both like the first two people to ever be brought back from being Borg, essentially. So, well, and we know she's back. I, I think she's gonna. She's now a a, a regular. The the Q storyline. I mean, they they've been shooting since mid February, right? So they're they've done at least two or three episodes at this point, and yet when they were talking to. Um, Delancey, they were talking about shooting his episode, and they used the word singular um, in the future, and he still had his beard, and so I mean, maybe he's going to have the beard on the show, but they haven't shot his episode yet, so he's not going to show up for a little while, and either there's, you know, when they use the word episode singular, they just meant his first episode, Um because if he's just going to be in one episode, they certainly made a big deal out of it in the <laughs> teaser. Yeah. But they, the way Patrick, Patrick Stewart talked about when Q shows up, it's this like major moment for Picard. This kind of, um, I forget the word. What was the phrasing he used? I think it's critical moment. Critical right? moment. So, you know, it could be a tapestry-like situation where there's a thing and then Q shows up and then he's, and then he leaves because you know, the critical the moment is over experience. With. Yeah. So even though it all feels like, Oh my God, Q's back and you know, season, you know, the season's going to be all about Q cause that's the sense you're getting from the teaser. But I bet it's at most a couple episodes and might just be one towards the end too. Obviously. Yeah. Are you saying there are not going to be mariachis? <laughs> They're saving that for the finale. Okay. As long as and we then he'll drop help. naked from the ceiling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anything else about Star Trek Picard? I mean, Patrick Stewart sounded super jazzed. I mean, last we've heard from him was before they started shooting, and he was just chomping at the bit to get to it. And he just seemed to be super into it. He talked about how they're doing something totally new this season that they've never done on the next generation obviously that's not the time travel element <laughs> um yeah. so i don't know what that is but uh he, you know it's good to see that kind of level of enthusiasm anyone bueller <laughs> i mean yes <laughs> yes it is <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean i mean uh, we all had, you know, we, we've all talked at length about Star Trek Picard, and we all had our ups and downs with it. What I'm hoping for is that, you know, they were going to shoot the show in June. They had broken the show by spring 2020. They had six months. No, no. They had eight months extra to monkey around with this season. Mm, yeah. That could be good and or bad. So, like, let's hope it's, yeah, The they really... They have no excuses. Basically, <laughs> they were not in a they were not in a rush. Sometimes that rush can actually create some better art. Art from adversity. 
Yep. Sometimes, but as we've noticed, they're sometimes rushed and it shows. So of course. But so I'm just saying there's no perfect yeah. formula. Like if you give creatives no, all the time in the not. world to make the perfect show, they're still not going to make the perfect show. And right. they're still going to need to do stuff at the last minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> true, true. You just got to try and capture lightning in a bottle every single time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. We're um, all counting on you. <laughs> so um, there's one show that really wasn't. So, so there's five current Star Trek shows in production at various stages. Can, can we just take a one- moment for that? Sure. Can we just recognize that? What you just said? <laughs> that's kind of a big that's deal. That's yeah. crazy. Big deal. Has that ever? Yeah. That's never happened before. No, because no. there's usually two. only been two, like overlapping. So, so yeah. Tony, can you please say that again just for my own benefit? <laughs> there are currently five Star Trek shows in production. That's amazing. Come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, I, I, I think we're Laura and I might be a little like the frog, you know, boiling in water, even though that's apocryphal. (laughs) Because we've been talking about this, you know, every week and, you know, and it, but yeah, you're right. Like everyone's sort of like, oh my God, you know, that's such a big (laughs) deal. And it is, it is, it is. Although, you know, when you look at it, each of the shows is 10 episodes or 11. So, um, but they, they do take twice as long to shoot. Like people, some people are like, why can't you do those, um, seasons like you did back in the nineties, but they would shoot for seven days in the nineties. You know, I mean, the, yeah. If you want to see them go crazy. Yeah. If, yeah, if and, you want to have like inhumane working conditions. Yeah. I don't think yeah. anybody needs to have that again. That seemed really unreasonable. Yeah. Agreed. I think it takes as long to shoot a season of Star Trek discovery as it did shoot a season of Star Trek the next generation. Oh, it's just probably. They, yeah. It's just that they take even before COVID um, and longer to do the post-production. The whole process is more time consuming, more hours involved, more people involved. So, you know, when, when people say, why aren't you doing 26 episodes a year? I don't know. I just, they could, but the shows would be crappier because they would be churning them out like crazy. And uh, there'd be less of everything. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Oh, and by the way, Kayla, there's you know at least one, but I think multiple Star Trek movies in Woo-hoo! development as well. It's like oh the, yeah, that's right. It's the new golden era. Maybe. Yeah, we'll. I soon mean, to find out. I think what we're missing is obviously on the merchandise side, we're not getting the level of toys. That's and we're for getting sure. some, but not really. And and I'm a gamer. I know some of us are gamers, and. Although, you know, there was a new game announced last week for start, you know, for uh, Apple Arcade, but you know, we're not seeing major Yeah, there's Star no Trek stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing, yeah, you know, I mean cuz when you look at Star Wars and you got Battlefront and you know, there's just tons of Star Wars games and we're just not getting that level of cool gaming. And I never just though, des- we've never had a Star Wars Battlefront of Star Trek. No, no, but there were, but there were in in the in the late nineties and uh, sort of mid two thousands, there was a really good run of things like Bridge Commander and Elite Force, and uh, I had a number of them, but they were never like the caliber. I didn't think they were the caliber of like Battlefront. Mm, No, but they were for the time. For the time, they were quite good, though. So the last big game was the one tied into the two thousand nine movie, which was kind of lame and a flop. And that's the last time 
um, they've really tried to do a major Star Trek game, I think. If I can remember correctly. No, there no. was there was the VR bridge one that was pretty successful. Yeah, pretty oh, no, that's I've, yeah. I've yeah, that, which right. is a very good platform, which is, which is cool. And they yeah. should have done more yeah. with that, which they didn't do. People still don't have VR rigs at home. It's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, they eventually made it so you didn't need one, um, but still, uh, the game hasn't. But I mean, that's half the point yeah. is to be immersed. So yeah. But they should have done more DLCs and all sorts of yeah. so that so we're still waiting for the world of Star Trek games to happen again. I'm not sure that it's going to, to mm. be perfectly honest, even if they keep on doing five shows at a time. So the fifth show, the fifth Beatle, and the fifth show <laughs> was um Strange New Worlds and it really wasn't part of this event, which yeah. kind of implies that it's going to come after Picard season two. Right. So there's no, um, there's no point in talking about it yet. You know? Right. I was bummed. There wasn't even like a tease somehow, just like a little something that's like, Oh, after Picard. Strange I mean, you could have just done a know? shot of the bridge crew on the bridge. It would, it would have been nice, but you know, it sounds like we're complaining when this is the best virtual event they've ever done. They released, <laughs> three or four trailers and all sorts of stuff so you know we are well you know we're trekkies we want more though so yeah come on it's like no. why didn't you do this <laughs> you know it's like we want more damn it what um, was this you said earlier jared the best part of being a star trek fan is complaining about the star best trek. part of loving star trek is hating is hating there you go there was one other piece of news during the um event a small piece of news but i, I, I it was pretty cool which is um there's a documentary that we reviewed on the site back in February when it came out in theaters and on video on demand called Woman in Motion. It's about Nichelle Nichols and NASA mm-hmm. and, and uh, Paramount Plus announced that they have acquired the streaming rights and they're going to release it on June 3rd. I highly recommend it um, to anyone who hasn't seen it. It's it's a really well-produced documentary and the footage is great. The interviews are great. And the hit, it just will tell you a lot of information you didn't know before. Yeah, I will watch it because I didn't watch it before, but I will watch it when it comes to Paramount Plus. Same. It's inspiring for sure. And it, it, it opens the door. So that shows something that we've talked about, which is. Yes, we've 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 said that they should do this for a while. <laughs> right. That if you're, you know, now that you're building out Paramount Plus and you're adding documentaries you should do Star Trek documentaries, yep. original Star Trek. Now, this is an acquisition, but it's you know, hopefully we will see more of this related to Star Trek. Um, and, of course, there's all the documentaries that have already been produced by 455 Films, mm-hmm. which Dave Zapone said when he was on um, both of our podcasts, basically. <laughs> but he's like... You know, he's willing to sell the whole library to Paramount Plus, except for the one that's on Netflix, which is the Spock documentary. I think Paramount Um, Plus would do really well to have those films in their library because they are fantastic. They're very, very good. Yeah, it would be smart. The Captain's Chaos on the Bridge, two of my favorites. Everyone, every Star Trek fan should see both of those for sure. Yeah. Um, So... That's a good sign for the future. Hopefully. Also, they just raised what over a million dollars. Yeah, they broke a record to make the Voyager documentary. Is it true that it's the be- the most well funded, like crowd funded documentary? Yeah, of that, all time? the one that had the record before it was Frank Zappa, 
and they huh. they beat it. The Voyager documentary beat it. So yeah, that's that coming down the pipeline. And then they're talking about even doing an Enterprise documentary next. So yeah, having all that stuff on Paramount Plus seems like a no brainer to me as a consumer. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, they should. They really should. And you know, and possibly other documentaries that are already out there about Star Trek. And and. and by the way, History Channel uh, is doing a documentary series, which we reported on later this year. So, oh yeah, the, the whole Star Trek documentary thing is a big deal this year, which is great. Well, it's the fifty-fifth year, right? So they got to do something on that. And they could pull some of those old, like I randomly was watching some old, maybe thirtieth anniversary Paramount celebration thing. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that was lots of fun. Um, so they could pull a bunch of those and t- they'd have a nice robust library. If they were smart, they should throw in um, the, I still have really fond memories of it, is the 25th anniversary yeah, stuff that, that they did was really great. Yeah, was really great. At the time, was really great. And it would be a fun, like, you know, moment in time of, hey, <laughs> in 1991, when Star Trek was just reaching, like, its zenith, basically, in the yeah. 90s, like, it was kind of great. Yeah. It was right before Undiscovered Cover Country. So right, in wonderful. fact, it debuted a teaser of the Undiscovered Country with it. Exactly. It was, yep. Oh, wonderful man. slice of the fandom. Is that? Yeah, is that it was one? a big deal. Hopefully, within a year, when Paramount Plus gets redesigned to be modern, um, <sighs> and they have a Star Trek, <laughs> and they <laughs> they have a, like they should have a Star Trek hub, and it should have all the movies, not one or two. Yep. And it should have all these documentaries um, and it should have special features for the movies and it should have all the TV shows. It should have our podcast. It should have After Trek. Just saying. Yeah, just saying. That, uh, that disappeared. What the heck? Uh, I still have yeah. it. Good. <laughs> we want more. <laughs> more. We'll never be satiated. And then we'll complain um, about it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So any final thoughts on First Contact Day 2021? No, I think we thoroughly Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I am very I'm very pleased with what they did after. It say. was well produced. They put effort into it. They made custom graphics for it, even just like on the schedule on their website. Ah, here's a little a little um uh detail that I just thought was genius. If you went into the room, it was, you know, whatever, StarTrek.com slash First Contact Day or something. If you went into the room before the thing, the stream started, they were just streaming Star Trek episodes. Oh, which is right. like, duh, they that should do that. Good. But, you know, I actually I expected either nothing, a placeholder saying come back soon, or like have them having a stream on with just like a PowerPoint slide, right? But they're streaming, like they, I was watching Star Trek episodes while I was waiting for it to come on. It's just like little attention to detail, things like that. I was just like so pleased with the production of this event. I thought they did such a nice job. And you know what? I couldn't watch the panels as they were going up, but I watched them all afterwards. They were on the actual website, like the Star Trek site. They were very easy to find and all in one place. But I made the mistake of initially trying to find them on Paramount Plus. Um, and oh. you had to go into the individual show to find stuff. There's nothing on the homepage the next day, like the next morning, nothing. Mm. Um, huh. But everything was very, I found it all on the website and that was easy and I was able to watch them all. Paramount Plus 2.0 is just going to be great, right? (laughs) This was Paramount Plus 2.0. This was CBS All Access 2.0. So version 3 maybe. You know what really grinds my gears? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's coming soon to a podcast. Would you like to hear us complain about things? (laughs) I know I would. (laughs) I know I would. I'd like to listen to myself complain about things. (laughs) Anyway, I think we've reached... The logical ending yeah. of this podcast. I think we have, yeah. That's, that's the best sign that uh, this this podcast episode's over with. I just want to thank on behalf of the whole TrekMovie.com podcasting network team. Thank you for uh, listening to this uh, first ever joint podcast between ShuttlePod and All Access Star Trek. Next Friday, another episode of All Access Star Trek will be out. We'll talk about the latest news, and that'll probably be followed soon by a new episode of the Shuttle Pod. Yes, indeed. We'll be all back to our separate podcast, but I hope I think maybe we'll do this as a tradition. Maybe uh, after Star Trek Las Vegas or whatever they're calling it now, Mission Fifty Five mm-hmm. Year Mission mm-hmm. this summer. Maybe we'll do another one of these joint things, and maybe seems like a good idea. First Contact Day, twenty twenty two, because we're all going to be in Chicago, right? Heck yeah. That's the plan, I think, yeah. So we'll see you next week, and we'll see you online. So thank you. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye, everybody. Take care.